Welcome to the Humanizing Work Show podcast, where we dig into topics large and small related to our mission, which is to help make work more fit for humans and all of us humans more capable of doing great work. You can learn more about humanizing work at humanizingwork.com. Welcome to the Humanizing Work Mailbag, where we answer questions from the Humanizing Work community. If you've got a question you've been pondering, email us at mailbag at humanizingwork.com and we'll see if we've got a good answer for you. Today's question is one that came up while working with a client this week, and a variation of this question comes up really frequently in our classes in various forums. It usually sounds something like, now that we know about complexity and the need for short feedback loops, how do we deal with the fact that our team is spread across many different time zones? Yeah, we've had some clients, I don't know what the one you were teaching this week was like, where it's 12 hours or more of time zone offset like that was the pacific coast well. us and india yeah. yeah and so you're not getting overlapping work hours which means if something emerges on one end that needs an answer from the other side and then comes back around that's two days so 10 percent, no 20 percent of a sprint typical two-week sprint just getting an answer on something and so our advice is often locate complexity inside teams because you can have short feedback loops inside teams and then complicated things across teams because you can gather up information and hand it off and not have that same kind of emergence and feedback on a short time. So this is tricky when it's within my team, but it's not within my time zone. What, what advice did you give to the group this week, Peter? Well, I started by sharing that this was the exact scenario that I was in when I our, our team first adopted Scrum in 2005-ish, where we had about seven or eight people in sorry, seven or eight people in Hamburg, Germany, and about 15 or so people in Seattle. And so eight or nine hours? Yeah, about eight or nine hours. So there was a little bit of overlap, and we could make the overlap a little bit longer if we inflicted a little bit of pain for somebody, right? Like in Hamburg, they could stay a little late, and uh, in the U.S., we could get up really early. Mostly it was Hamburg staying late uh, if we wanted more overlap. And when we started out, the Hamburg team was new to our organization. We had essentially hired out some uh, an, an existing team uh, from another company, and they had brought on their favorite people. And um, so it was a new team to us. We hadn't worked with them before, and we were adopting Scrum at the same time. And so we were kind of excited about the potential for using Scrum as a way to create some connection between the Hamburg folks and the Seattle folks. So in our first sprint, we tried teams that spanned the time zones and, and said, hey, if they're working together on delivering backlog items, we'll have to have those kind of conversations and start to learn each other's cultures and things like that. And we abandoned that after sprint two. It was just too hard, too many delays, as you referred to earlier. Uh, just the turnaround time on any decision was way too long. And, and we found it didn't help the original goal of really binding the team together. And so in Sprint 3, after the retrospective from Sprint 2, we decided, let's try it the other way. Let's do a Seattle team, two Seattle teams, in fact, and one Hamburg team. And then we found some areas of the product for each team to really focus on. And that worked much better. And then we would still coordinate around uh, maybe a little bit of light sprint planning together, just to talk about who's going to pull what in. Uh, and then the teams would do the more detailed versions of that separately. And then we would do Sprint Review together. And that, that worked much better for us. That's where I've seen most of the clients I've worked with land. Key people you want to actually be able to collaborate 
within a few time zones of each other. So they get a significant amount of overlap in a day. And so that automatically shapes team structures. There's a particularly tricky version of this that many of my clients run into where they're um, really outsourcing a lot of work to places like India or Eastern Europe, but product owner business stakeholders are still on the US side. And in that case, uh, you have inherently business complexity that spans all those time zones. And, and that one really seems hard to sustain. And the clients of mine that have been most successful with it have really avoided spreading business complexity around like that um, and have gone more local or at least north-south, like Latin American outsourcing instead of Eastern Europe or India. The developers in Eastern Europe and India can be fantastic, but if the feedback loops span 10, 12 time zones, they're not set up for success. And one bright spot that I saw was uh, a client that realized this started in a pulling business complexity back to a smaller number of time zones and realized a chunk of their product had high technical complexity, but low business complexity. And they were able to package that up for a really skilled team in India. And so it didn't have to turn into all the ordered work goes to India and all the complex work stays in the US. It was, can we actually contain the complexity within time zones? And I really appreciated that way of um, giving the Indian developers a chance to really use their skills on a meaty complex problem. But because it didn't have high business complexity, it could be contained within their time zone. That was a really nice solution. Yeah, I've seen... I've seen two approaches to this. One that's very similar to yours, that's kind of a, a near-term solution. And then another one that's a much longer-term solution. The near-term solution was pretty similar to that. And in that organization, there were a couple of U.S. developers that could work with the product owner on you know the communication overlap that needs to happen between solution and problem uh, and help craft uh, good refined product backlog items. And then there was a lead on the India team that would participate in those conversations as well and just deal with the pain of the cross time zone um, problem. And uh, then that person kind of act as, acted as the representative of the U.S. voice to the India team. And that took a little bit of uh, refinement over a few sprints. But within a few sprints, uh, everybody reported really liking that structure and finding it much useful than any other cross-geo structure they had tried before that. So that's a very similar concept to what you're describing, but the liaison part of it, I thought was a, a key thing, at least in that organization, that made it work, where that, that India person sitting in India that had a management role with those developers uh, due to authority, cultural things there, really could communicate, hey, here's what we're working on, and, uh, and that seemed to work well for them. Uh, I think other, if you were good at using things like uh -huh. feature mining to find yeah. the good probe that'll quickly get you out of complexity and find the order so yeah. that you can use that local capacity really efficiently, mm -hmm. um, that would probably work really well versus accidentally sending complexity over. Right. Uh, the other example that I've seen, which is a much longer term solution, is a team that was starting with really traditionally outsourced development and uh, doing it in the traditional way where they were getting tickets assigned to them to you know execute this specific engineering task and over time they recognized that that wasn't great and this was an organization that actually did hire full-time employees so it wasn't all contractors which is an, adds another wrench to the, the common pattern here 
but over time, they started building up more and more business domain expertise in India. And it took them about, I think, two or three years of this before they finally said, all right, that person is going to be the official product owner on that team and actually got a promotion job title of you know senior product manager for this product, a fairly well-known product in this case, uh, and somebody that had been with the company a long time but also understood the customers really well. And so eventually this was a, a, a product that had started in the U.S., had a lot of development legacy and history here, and uh, was not growing. It had kind of hit the ceiling for what they could do in the market. And so they decided to offshore development and then over the course of a couple of years, built up the product management and product ownership expertise there so that they could fully own it within that geography. So to uh, wrap this one up, if we were to summarize in, in a few words, I, I think it's if you're doing complex work, you need to collaborate. Collaboration means having a lot of overlap in time zones. So keep that close together. You can coordinate across larger spans, which is appropriate for more complicated work. So structure your teams based on where the complexity sits in your work so that you're not trying to collaborate over long time zone spans. And there may be some transitional strategies to get from where you are to a cleaner match between time zones and complexity. If you enjoyed this episode and want more content like this, the best thing you can do is subscribe to the podcast and rate it on your favorite podcasting platform. We'd love it if you shared the podcast with friends, family, and coworkers that you think might benefit from learning more about how to make work more fit for humans and humans more capable of doing great work. If you want help humanizing your work, you can find out about our products and services at humanizingwork.com. We spend much of our lives working, so let's make that investment meaningful for us and all of the people connected to it.